thank you for my B3 that I got to get. Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18? I have a little feedback here. Anything you guys want me to do? Take the handheld, stick with this. Grab, grab the handheld. Check one. First Kings chapter 18. And we're going to talk today about prayer. But you won't be bored. We're going to talk about a prophet who prayed. And it's my prayer that God will use his example as an encouragement for all of us to pray. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. With your help, Lord, I will preach about a man who prayed. Thank you for recording these stories, these factual occurrences, that we could look at these things, learn from, and even emulate. Lord, there's nothing new under the sun. And if there's one thing we know is that people who live under the sun must place our faith and focus in the one who created the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything. That we're talking about the son of God. We're talking about you, Father. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that even when we don't know how to pray, you help us. Thank you, Lord, that many of us are going to be cemented in our convictions about this discipline called prayer. Others of us are going to learn some things for the first time. But whether we're just starting out or we've been in this walk for a minute, we all must pray. So thank you. Bless this word. Bless your people. For we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Before we expound upon Isaiah, or excuse me, 1 Kings chapter 18, I want to set up the context. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1 says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab was the king, the king of Israel. And he said, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So before we dive into 1 Kings 18 today, we had to go back to 1 Kings 17. Ahab has come to the throne of the northern kingdom of Israel. And Ahab is a wicked, ungodly king. And to make matters worse, his wife 
is known as Jezebel. And she was the daughter of the king of Sidonia. And she married Ahab, the king of Israel, forming an allegiance between the two countries. But when she came into the marriage, she brought some baggage with her. And the baggage she brought with her was that she was a Baal worshiper. Now, Baal was a Canaanite god, small g. He's a little g. He's a small g. He's a g that was created and concocted by the people. Baal was a male deity who was portrayed as having multiple breasts. And Baal was worshipped as the god of rain, the god of lightning, and the god of the thunderstorm. To make it plain, Baal was the god, small g, of fertility. So the people would worship Baal, this multi-breasted deity, believing that Baal would send the rain down on the land because the Jewish people were an agrarian people. They lived off of the land, which meant they had to have rain come down from heaven, which was a sign of God's favor and blessing. And so Ahab and his wife Jezebel, they were on a movement to replace Yahweh the one true and living God, Israel's God, with Baal or Baalism. So they had this campaign. Do not worship Yahweh. Worship Baal. Well, what would make God's people turn away from worshiping Yahweh, the one true and living God, the God of the covenant? Well, Baal appealed to the people's flesh. Pastor, what do you mean? Because not only was he the god of fertility, he was the god of sexuality. So the people worshiped their god through sexual perversion. And so if you tell somebody that you can have God and be a hoe, a lot of people will line up and follow that god. Oh, forgive me. We have children in here today. Children who have access to the internet 24-7 and who know more than we think they know. But if I need to go King James, I'll go King James on you because King James talks about whores, whoredoms, and whoremongers. And that's what the children of Israel were. They were prostituting themselves after this false god, Baal, and Baal also had a counterpart named Asherah. And Asherah was worshipped, uh, uh, the way that Asherah would present herself was through the male sex organ. And so a lot of times they would build these Asherah poles in the cities to coincide with Baal as more of their perversion would reveal itself. It takes you back to the, uh, 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 the golden calf that the Israelites worshipped after they had come out of Egypt and had crossed through the Red Sea, they learned a few things back there in the world of Egypt and how they worshiped these gods that were created by God, i.e. the animals. And so rather than worshiping the one true and living God, the people of Israel worshiped 
uh, 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 the golden calf. And the Bible says that they rose up to play and they would worship. That's just a euphemism, meaning that they had an orgy outside. So sexual perversion, this thing that was just mixed in with their worship of their God. And so Israel had turned away from God. But God always has a remnant. God always has a mouthpiece. God always has a prophet who's going to stand up and speak up even if the people don't like what's being shared. Because when Elijah comes on the scene, he's going to say and do things that will not get him the popular vote in the country. So 1 Kings 17 says that Elijah says that there won't be any rain or dew on the earth for these many years except at my word. In other words, Yahweh is about to show up your God. The God you claim sends the rain. The God you claim sends the lightning and the thunder and the fertility on the crops. Well, what Yahweh's going to do is he's going to show his power by shutting up the heavens for three and a half years to break your back to make you look to the true and living God because what better way to show up the God small g of rain if there ain't no rain for three and a half years so God has to make a point he sends his prophet and then James five seventeen says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months somebody says I don't believe that well you don't believe the words of Jesus because he talked about this story too so we see here from James that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours in other words Elijah was a human being there really wasn't anything special about him except that God loved him and had a plan for his life. But Elijah was a man of God, but he was not uh, God. Elijah was a man. He was fallen. He had a nature like ours. He was inconsistent. He was up and he was down. Sometimes he was strong. Other times he would be weak. Sometimes he'd make a stand. The next chapter he's running from a stand. So he's a man just like us. There's nothing special about him because power does not reside in the one who prays. Power resides in the one who's being prayed to. Come on now, come on now. There's nothing special about a person that wears a robe and has a cross around their neck and it goes off into their pocket. Doesn't mean that they can get through to God better than you or more than you. No, no, no. They're a sinner too. Uh, I have a friend that just met the Pope. What a great honor. But the Pope is a sinner too. And what Jesus does is he makes all of us priests. And a priest is somebody that has direct access to God. I don't have to check with John Mason to get through to God. I can go to God myself. And what Elijah did was he was a man just like us. But God gave him access to come to him. And Elijah, the Bible says, he prayed earnestly. So this is what separates him from us. Now, he's just like us with a fallen nature. But he had this persistence in his prayer because the Bible says, yeah, he was a fallen man, but he prayed earnestly. And so that's the good challenge for us. We're fallen people, but do we pray 
earnestly. I know we're fallen, but that doesn't mean we can't pray with fervor. We should pray with fervor because we are fallen. And God has given us access and mercy. Uh, uh, what this means when it says he prayed earnestly is that it, it's a kind of structure in the Greek language that means that Elijah prayed a prayer. He prayed a prayer. He prayed earnestly. He prayed a prayer that God would withhold the rain. He prayed earnestly. He prayed a prayer. He prayed a specific prayer that God would withhold blessing. And every now and then, you got to pray and ask God to withhold or for God to discipline. When you have your kids and your kids want to have that prodigal son moment or prodigal daughter moment, and they wander off, sometimes you want to pray, Lord, withhold some blessings on them. Uh, 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 Lord, uh, don't let it rain. Lord, 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 I pray you dry up everything around them so that they can look to you and come back to you and they might just come on back home. So, so sometimes you got to pray these kind of prayers. Now, 2 Chronicles 7.13, I got to let you know, I got to let that hat out the back, a little cat out the back, is that he's praying to withhold the rain based on something that God said. He's praying according to the word of God. Because when Solomon built the temple, remember now he's the son of David. David wanted to build the temple. God wouldn't let David build the temple. He said, your son will build it. Solomon builds the temple. God speaks to Solomon. And we like to quote 2 Chronicles 7:14, And that is, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. Then will I forgive sin. And then will I heal the land. Oh, we love that. But we don't like verse 13. Verse 13, God is saying, uh, if y'all turn away from me, I'm going to shut up the heavens on y'all. In other words, you won't get that rain you need if you turn from me and turn to these deities, these false gods. So verse 13 of 2 Chronicles 7, God says, I'll shut up the heavens. Uh, another version says that the sky will become bronze. No rain will come. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I forgive sin. Then will I heal the land. How do you heal the land? By sending the rain back on the land. So Elijah remembers what happened when Solomon became king and what God said. He knew the people turned, so he prayed a prayer. He prayed an earnest prayer. Lord, would you discipline the land? Because I know this is your heart. I know this is what you said. So 1 Kings 18.1, obviously God heard that man's prayer. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. The third year of what? The third year of the drought. God answered the prayer. He prayed earnestly. He prayed a prayer that was centered on the word of God. When you pray according to the word of God, you're praying according to the will of God. And so God answers the prayer. And there's no rain for three and a half years. So Elijah says, "Go." Oh, God says, go present yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain on the earth. Now, I've never been in a, in a sustained drought. I've gone through some summers in Baltimore, Virginia, and Tennessee where it may not rain 
for two weeks and the grass gets brown and they tell you you can't run your water on your grass that's turning brown because the water is scarce and, and folks start praying for rain to come and you walk around parched all day long. You're in a mini drought. Can you imagine? For three and a half years, no rain. You got to go down to the creek, and then the creek will dry up. You got to go down to the riverbed, and the riverbed dries up. All this stuff is going on because God is trying to tell you something. Y'all remember that? God is trying to tell you something. You need to repent. You need to turn back to the true and living God. And so for three and a half years, no rain. Now, James 5.18 goes on to say, and he prayed again, speaking of Elijah, and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So he prayed the first time, let it stop. Three and a half years later, he prays again, let the rain come. We believe the people have learned their lesson. Because remember, in 1 Kings 18, he's going to have a standoff with the prophets of Baal. 450 of them. And Elijah says, the God who answers by fire is the true God. Well, in other words, the God that sends lightning down from the sky. Baal's territory is the true God. And in 1 Kings 18, it tells a story about how all these 450 prophets of Baal, they prepared their oxen on the altar, and they danced, and they prayed, but Baal wasn't listening. Baal didn't do anything. So they started cutting themselves and bleeding and going into a frenzy, and Elijah started mocking them. He said, uh, speak up. Maybe Baal went on a journey or something. I, I don't know. And then when they finished and nothing happened, because not only were they praying that day for rain, they had been praying for three and a half years for rain to Baal. Baal send the rain, Baal send the rain, Baal send the rain. Baal can't send the rain because God is in control and Baal is no one but Satan in disguise. So God says to Satan, who does have the ability to manipulate the weather, according to the book of Job and even in the Gospels, uh, God said, uh, Satan, you sit right there and don't you move. I know they're calling Baal. I know they're calling for you, but you don't move. Then Elijah gets up in 1 Kings 18. He builds the altar and he remembers uh, the 12 tribes of Israel and he, he calls the people forward. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If God is God, follow him. If Baal is Baal, follow him. And then he builds the altar and then he's got the nerve in the midst of a drought. The prophet says, um, I need y'all to pour some water on the sacrifice. Man, you know how scarce water is right now? Go ahead and pour it on because I believe in abundance is coming later. But we got to prove a point because I don't want nobody to think that this thing caught on fire because it's so hot around here. You know how you can have them forest fires because it gets so hot? He said, no, 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 we drench it. Drench it again. Drench it again. They put so much water on that thing, it filled the trench. And then Elijah stood up and said, God, the people are watching. Baal had his turn. Now, Lord, would you show the people who you are? And the Bible says that fire fell from heaven and consumed the offering and the sacrifice and licked up the water that was in the trench. And the people who had been backslidden, 
the people who had turned away from Yahweh and turned to Baal, they all of a sudden said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said, we ain't done yet. Grab them 450 prophets of Baal because we got to, you know, put these men to death because they were perverting the people. So 450 people that Elijah put to death that day. And that's what went on. This man prayed again. And that's where we are right now. What happened, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. First Kings 18:41. Now it's time for the drought to end. Now it's time for the rain to come, and Elijah's going to pray again. Send the rain. I just stopped by here today to encourage you. Those of you who may have given up on prayer, I want to let you know it's okay to pray again. Pray again. Because when we give up on praying, it really says we've given up on God. But don't give up on God because he hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on prayer because that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do, to stop praying. Oh, follow with me. This is good. 1 Kings 18, verse 41, if you have it, say amen. Here we go. Buckle up. Then Elijah said to Ahab, again, this is after the prophets have been defeated. The people have come back to God. Revival is on the way. He says to this king, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of of abundance of rain. There is the sound, not just of a little downpour, not just a little sprinkle, but he said there is the sound of the abundance of rain and no one seen rain for three and a half years. Elijah said, I hear it. Ahab couldn't hear it because he wasn't tuned in to the right station. His frequency with God was off. But Elijah was tuned in, and he could hear what God was saying. Rain is coming. And so Elijah heard the sound of rain before he ever saw it. He had faith that God would do it before he did it. Elijah believed it before he beheld it. So when we pray, we got to believe it before we behold it. When we pray. We got to hear it in the spiritual realm before we even see it manifest in the natural realm. Pastor, up oh, now you're becoming like them, blab it, grab it, name it, claim it, uh, uh, all that stuff. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you wait a minute. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by faith, that's how the elders got a good report. They didn't have to see it to believe what God said. So faith is the substance. What's the substance of faith? Believing that you have it before you have it. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Well, verse 6 of Hebrews. Uh, 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 for without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those of us who come to God must believe that he is. Stop right there. That he is. That he exists, that he's Yahweh, that he's Jehovah, that he's Elohim, that he knows what you need before you know that you need it and you ask him to meet your needs. You're talking to a God who holds all things together. You got to believe that who you, before you hit your knees, you got to know who you're talking to. 
I'm talking to the king of all kings. He is the Lord. And not only that, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because what good is faith if you only believe once you see it? Like when Jesus would minister, there was this one dude who said, Lord, um, I got somebody sick in my house. But you don't even have to come to my house. If you just speak the word, I know he will be healed. Jesus marveled at his faith and said, I ain't even found faith like this amongst Israel. The people who should know that I'm able. But here this Gentile, the sinner comes and says, you don't even have to come in my house. Just speak the word. That's faith. Jesus says, I like that. And he was moved by that man's faith. So when we pray, we've got to believe it. We've got to get on our knees and know God is able. I'm talking to the king of all kings. And Elijah said, I don't have to see it in order to believe it. I know the rain is coming. Let the cat out the bag again because God told me the rain was going to come. So I started praying based on what God said. And now that the prophets of Baal have been taken care of, it's time for the rain to come. So he goes and he tells Ahab, man, you, you need to go up. Get ready. The rain is coming. You see, Elijah knew something, y'all. He was in the vicinity of a blessing. He, he could just feel it in his bones. He heard the sound of rain before it happened. Now, some of y'all grew up in the country. And some of y'all could smell rain before the rain came. Some of y'all, good country Christians, can walk outside. Y'all can look at the sky. Oh, the sky is red. Remember, the Pharisees knew how to predict weather, too. The sky is red. Jesus said, y'all can predict the weather, but you can't predict the things of God? What's the matter with y'all? Y'all too natural. Y'all not spiritual enough. But some of us can walk around. I smell rain in the air. Get your umbrella. Don't go out today. Don't wash your car. Don't cut the grass. I smell rain. I don't have to check in with Channel 4. I done smelled the rain. And you knew you were in the vicinity that something was about to happen because of what you smelled. When I was growing up, man, I'd play in the street, stick ball, step ball, football, basketball, baseball. We just play in the street. And, uh, Back in this house we lived in on Joanne Drive in Baltimore, the kitchen was like right near the front door of the house. And my mother would cook with the windows open. And while I'm outside playing, I could smell what she was cooking. Now, nine nights out of the week, it was fried chicken. <laughs> I know only seven nights in the week, but we ate a lot of fried chicken. And if it wasn't fried chicken, it was fried fish. And if it wasn't fried fish, it was fried steak. And if it wasn't fried steak, it was fried cereal. She fried everything, man. She fried everything. But you outside doing your thing, you playing, and you smell it. And you know what you're having for dinner based on what you smell. You don't have to see it, but you smell it. 
it smells so good you come into the house saying your prayer before you even get to the table. Lord, I want to thank you for this food I'm about to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Then you get to the table. Oh, I wonder if some of us had faith like that. Lord, I want to thank you. I'm in the vicinity. I can smell it. I can hear it. I sense some. I want to thank you in advance that you're going to restore my marriage. I want to thank you in advance that you're going to touch my children. I want to thank you in advance because I'm praying according to your will. You said raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. You said raise them up. They may depart, but they're going to come on back. Lord, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to thank you in advance. I'm not going to wait until I get there and see it. I'm going to start thanking you for the new job. I'm going to start thanking you for the new place. I'm going to start thanking you for my new car. I'm going to start thanking you for my new mind. I'm going to start thanking you for my new peace. I'm going to start thanking you for taking care of me in advance. That's faith. The world will say, you crazy. But if you're going to walk with God, there's a thin line between being crazy and having faith. Elijah said, get up, man. I hear the rain coming. Hmm. But, but we, we can't stop there. Verse 2, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed on the ground and put his face between his knees. Have mercy. He bowed on the ground and put his face between his knees. This is a posture of humility. This is a posture of dependency. This is a posture whereby he acknowledges his unworthiness, but also by bowing, he acknowledges God's worthiness. That God is royal. That God has authority. Yeah, he might be God's man, Elijah, but he's not the man. That's God. And so by bowing down, he is showing the posture of his heart by the posture of his body. That his heart is bowed down and his body follows to exemplify what's going on in his soul. He is bowed down before the Lord. When was the last time that you prayed on your knees? Pastor, Pastor, come on, Pastor, it just don't matter. You know, we could tell he's Papa. Yeah, he is. But he's also the king. He's also God. He's also a consuming fire. He also dwells in unapproachable light. I know he's given us access, but I'm afraid that some of us have gotten so comfortable with God that we're not willing to become uncomfortable talking to him. Uh, you missed it. I got to say it one more time. God convicted me. He said, you sure like talking to me just sitting in your chair. I know that way you had your quiet time, but switch it up every now and then. Every relationship need a little variety so it don't get dull and boring. You come and sit down. There are other ways to pray. You can pray and walk. You can, of course, pray and lift your hands. But how about that one of getting on your knees? Well, Lord, um, that football injury I had, uh, it hinders a brother from getting down on his knees. Mm -hmm. God talked to me in ways that, you know, he, he's like, but if somebody drops some money down <laughs> on the ground, you ain't going to be talking about, well, you know, this knee don't bend. <laughs> no, that knee going to bend. What's the point? It shows a posture of humility. 
back to King Solomon. When King Solomon dedicated the temple, the Bible says not only did he lift his hands in the, in the sight of all of the people, but he also got down on his knees before all of the people. When the king can humble himself before the king of all kings, it sets a tone for the nation, for the nation to follow the king's example and humble themselves like the king humbled himself. Wouldn't it be a blessing to America if President Donald Trump would fall on his knees and look up to heaven and lift his hands and say, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Because if the president can show that, yeah, I'm in a powerful seat, but I know somebody who sits on the throne. And I submit to him and I answer to him and I need him. And when you have leaders like that who can do that, it sets a tempo. You say, all right, man, leave the president alone. All right, okay, let's go to your house. We left the White House. Let's go to your house. Do your kids, your children, your spouse see you in a posture of brokenness before God? Because it will impact them. It will touch them. And you will model how to pray without even having to say, let's turn to the Bible. They will watch the Bible unfold as you get on your knees. So if you're physically able, switch it up sometime and get on your knees and pray. James, the Lord's brother, was called old camel knees because he was known for praying. His knees were so jacked up they looked like camel's knees. Camel's knees all bloated and swollen and scarred up. Why? Because when they stop walking, they rest on their boom, knees and they scar them up. And James could have said, you know, Jesus was my half-brother. I don't really have to pray that hard. I, you know, he, he knows my name, you know. But no, James said, I love the Lord. I love being intimate with him because prayer is when I know he's heard me, but also it's when I hear him. And I'm going to get on my knees so much that they get scarred up. Get on your knees sometime. Try it this week. And if you want to go further, fall on your face. When was the last time you prayed on your face? In Luke 5, a leper came to Jesus, and the Bible says he fell down before him. Many people fell down before Jesus, and somebody said, don't take all that. Well, for some of us, it does take all of that. I'm not worried about what people think, what people say. Jesus is here, and I need something from him, and I'm desperate. And the leper said to Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He just told us something about prayer because Jesus came back and said, I'm willing. And he cleansed him of his leprosy. See, when we pray, listen to this. It's never an issue of if God can do it. It always comes down on if it's God's will to do it. Oh, I got to say it one more time. He can do everything. Like one person came to Jesus, their child was suffering from demonic possession, and they said, we took him to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything with him. But, Lord, if you can, can you deal with this? And Jesus said, according to the NIV, he said, if you can, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> if you can. And then Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible to them who believes. So here it is when we pray 
Lord, are you willing to do this? Because I know that you can. But he's got to be willing. Oh, my. But hold on to that before somebody run off too far. I got to go to verse 43 and try to sit down here. So he said to his servant, after putting his head between his knees, praying, go up now, look toward the sea. In other words, look for the rain clouds. Look for the manifestation. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And that's where some of us stop right there. I'm going to pray. I'm even going to get on my knees. Do you see anything? Nope. I quit. And Elijah could have quit because earlier in the chapter, he prayed standing up in front of the prophets of Baal in the nation, and he prayed one time, and God sent the fire from heaven after one prayer. So you would think that the next time he prays, he don't have to get on his knees. He don't have to pray that hard because God answered the prayer the first time he prayed. And it only took one prayer. So this time when he's starting to pray, he said, okay, I'm going to get on my knees. And God doesn't answer the first time. What do you do when God doesn't do what you think he should do? God, you did it this way last week. You gave me my rent money just like that. But why is it this week I got to keep praying and praying and praying? Because God reserves the right to be God. And if he gave us what we asked for the first time we asked every time, we'd be spoiled. But God don't have any spoiled children. And God knows I got to stretch you. This is about a test of your faith. This is not about the thing that you're asking for. This is about me and you. And sometimes me and you got to walk through this for a minute because I know you. And if I give you this too fast, you just might forget me. So Elijah says, uh, go again. And the Bible says in seven times he said, go again. So he prayed the first time, Lord, send the rain. What you see? Nothing. Go again. Lord, send the rain. What you see? Nothing. Go again. Lord, send the rain. And he did this seven times. He prayed again and again and again and again and again. Because as I mentioned, sometimes God will answer our prayers on the first time. Sometimes God will answer our prayers after several weeks, months, and years. I know men since the history of this church who've lost jobs. I've seen God provide a job just like that. And then I've seen God, guys, wait for months and even over a year to have that prayer answered. I've seen God heal people immediately. And then I've seen God heal people in heaven. So I can't control the narrative. I can only talk to the God who's in control of all things. So if he has you waiting right now, don't be weary in well-doing because watch this. The God who sent the fire is the same God who can send the rain. 
The God who answered your prayers when you needed this, that, or the other is the same God who can answer the prayers that you need now. He may have done it quickly back then, and you got to wait on him now, but while you're waiting on him, remember when he sent the fire from heaven while you're waiting for the rain to fall. Because a lot of times we have a short memory on the faithfulness of God. God's like, I just took care of you last week, and you whining already this week? We have a short memory on his faithfulness, but a long memory on our mess. We forget what God did, but we remember what we did. Oh, Lord. I, mm. No, that's the stuff you got to forget. We got to remember what he is able to do. So God will answer our prayers the first time. Sometimes he'll answer our prayers after many times. Sometimes he won't answer your prayer at all. Pastor, wait a minute now. What you talking about? You better be thankful there's some prayers he didn't answer. Because Elijah prayed one of them. In chapter 19, after he ran from Jezebel, he said, uh, Lord, just take my life. I know better than to commit suicide, but Lord, would you just snuff me out? God did not answer that prayer. God says, no, I got a plan for you. You're coming to heaven in chariots of fire. I'm, I'm taking you up. You know, you, you're not even going to face death. And so you ask, asking me to, to stop the rain, I did that. You asked me to send the rain, I'm going to do that. But this thing about killing you, I'm not going to do that. Somebody better praise him right now. When you ask God to give you that person as your spouse, and he said no. The person ain't laughing is the one that pushed on anyway and said, Lord, would you bless your permissive will? When God didn't give you that job out of town because he wanted you to stay in town. When God did not sell your house because he wanted you to stay here. When God said no to something, he's saying yes to something else. That's why we got to be careful with this I declare and decree stuff. I declare and decree that this is supposed to be my ministry. God's like, that ain't what I have for you. You're over here confessing stuff that I never said is yours. Because God will not only be mocked, he won't be mocked. He won't be manipulated either. So as you try to have faith, make sure it's not a faith to try to tell God what to do. It's a faith that says no matter what you say, I submit. I got faith. I believe you can. But again, what is your will? And I see so many people who try to claim stuff and command stuff. And then their loved one still dies of cancer. And then the spiritual people come along and say, you know what? God's fault. It was your fault because you didn't have enough faith. I got to open up the book because, yeah, God loves faith, but there were a lot of people he healed who did not have faith. So it ain't up to us. That's works-based righteousness that puts any attention on the person and takes it off of God. That's demonic at its core. So we're talking about praying right now, and there's no one way to pray. That's why we got to pray being led by the Spirit. Lord, what are you saying? But Strong Tower... Elijah persisted in prayer because God gave his word that he would send the rain. So he was praying based on the word. You said you would send it. Send it, Lord. Send it, Lord. And God sent the rain. Beloved, God wants all of us to keep praying. He wants us to pray again and again and again. Don't give up praying. Don't give up on God. Keep praying. Pray again for your finances. Pray again for your health. Pray again for your relationships. Pray again for your future. 
Pray again for your marriage. Pray again to get married. Pray again that God will bless you with children. Pray again. Pray again. Pray again. Elijah prayed again and again and again, and God sent the rain. Now, I got to tell you, the Bible says he was a man like us, which meant that he didn't have an advantage over us when he talked to God. But if I can tell you, we have an advantage over him. Pastor, how was that? Because, yes, he prayed, and he prayed earnestly, and he prayed repetitively. And we can do that because he's a man like us, and we're human like he is. But when he prayed, he didn't know anything about praying in Jesus' name. So if he had that access without Jesus' name, he had that kind of authority, that kind of ability to see God do great things, how much more for us who now on this side of the covenant, Jesus says, up until now you haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask and it shall be given. Pray in my name. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15 talks about when you pray in God's name, the name of Jesus, and it's according to his will, which is based on his word, then you have the petition that you're asking for. Now, it may not come when you want or how you want, but God's going to bless. So there is this access we have because of Jesus' name. And the question is, are we using it? You know, when I would go on these concerts with these Christian bands, I'd be the chaplain for the day. They'd give me this badge that was all access. I could go around anywhere I wanted. I could be out in the audience. I could go backstage. I could even go over to where they had the food for the artists, and I could take a plate and eat the food because of the badge that I was wearing. Because the badge had the name of the band, and then it had my name on the badge, which meant that I have access all over this place because I know the band. Security looking at me like, you ain't supposed to be back here. I just hold the sign. Yes, I can. I'm picking up a plate, getting a second plate. Who does he think he is? I don't recognize him. I hold up the badge. God's given us the badge. It's Jesus' name. I can go in his name. His name is on me. So when I'm walking through heaven, God looks at me and says, come on, make yourself at home before my throne of grace. I know who you are. But not only that, Jesus is like a power of attorney. Of attorney. You see, a power of attorney is when a person with power signs over his or her power to someone without power so they can have legal power. I just want to encourage you to pray. I would encourage you to pray and pray in the name of Jesus. One thing we know for sure, Elijah didn't pray in the name of Baal. Because there ain't no power in that name. But there is legal authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus gives us power of attorney. This is when a person with power signs over his or her power to someone without power so they can have legal power. So when I talk to God in the name of Jesus, my attorney, my defense lawyer, my powerful attorney has given me power of attorney. So then I talk to God, I have access because he's given me authority to come. And that changes my mind when I pray. So I'm not groveling. I'm coming humbly, recognizing who I am and whose I am. And he knows what I need before I ask. So when I talk to him about it, I'm not informing him about it. He already knows, but he wants to have the fellowship and intimacy with me when we talk about it. 
but will we pray? Would you stand to your feet now? As Jackie Patillo comes. Will you pray again? Will you get on your knees again? Will you get on your face again? Will you talk to God again? Will you trust him again? Will you believe him again? Some things will only happen by prayer and by fasting. Let's keep praying.